You're listening to Love and War with David Harwood. This is a weekly podcast where David offers spiritual insights that are aimed to enhance your relationship with God, yourself, and others. If you are edified by what you hear, please recommend this podcast to people you love. Now, here's David. Hope at the Judgment So far, we've surveyed the expectation of heaven and the resurrection. We've mentioned hints of the prophesied blessings of the ages to come. These are the hope expectations that helped guide and envision the early church. Within this overarching hope is the anticipation of rewards believers will receive at the Messiah's judgment seat. There is much to say about aspects of this hope we embrace. I'm going to be referring to a lot of scripture and you can read them on the blog. The Revealing, The Unraveling, and The Ripples Look forward to the judgment. Believers will be rewarded. These rewards will provide the foundation of the child of heaven's eternal experience. Our initial experience of being rewarded happens at the believer's resurrection. This shall transpire at the eagerly awaited return of the Messiah. The resurrection is referred to as our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This transformation is preparatory to our participation in the ages to come. We are looking forward to this resurrection. Paul oriented his life towards it. The current manifestation of the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the merest hint at what God has prepared. They are the hors d'oeuvres meant to whet our appetite and prepare us for the feast. The scriptures clearly teach that at some point in the middle of all this transformation, we will stand before the Lord and be evaluated. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The final outcome of this judgment will be that the born-from-above child of God will be rewarded. The wonderful outcome of your work will be seen for what it is. Writing of the edifying of the church, Paul wrote of fiery testing to come. 1 Corinthians 3, 13-15 Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The day is approaching that will reveal the quality of your work. The thought of our works going through an ultimate fiery exam is daunting. It is not bad to have a bit of apprehension concerning this. However, we find Paul's hope expectation at the end of this process in the next chapter of 1 Corinthians. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, 
Do not go on passing the judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it speaks of receiving the results of our actions. 1 Corinthians 4.5 focuses on our life's motivations. The truth is that our actions reveal our motives. Although this is true, our good motives do not always produce the right results. Therefore, it came as a surprise to me that the outcome of our motivations being judged will be approval and praise. It is the God whose eyes are represented as being like fires that will examine us. We are assured that we will be found blameless. A verse that gives God the glory for this verdict is Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. That is a basic element of the good news. As many an infomercial says, but wait, there's more. Here it is. We will not only be found blameless, but according to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, we will be acclaimed, and that by the righteous judge who loves us. This praise that shall surely come to each one is a way that this life's sorrows will be overwhelmingly, ultimately recompensed. Perhaps the following is part of the process enabling us to find true comfort through God's interaction with us. It is written that God will wipe away all tears from the eyes of the redeemed. This is an ancient promise found in Isaiah, reiterated in Revelation 7, 10-17. Let's look at the foundational verses in Isaiah. The Lord of hosts will provide a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. How will he wipe away these tears? Is it a matter of holy anesthesia being pumped into our spiritual veins? I don't think so. He is the faithful God of ultimate awareness, not the God of the knockout drug. Why do people cry? What may be some causes of such abiding sorrow that they are carried into the eternal presence of the God of all comfort? Tears may be shed because of, in alphabetical order, abuse, frustration, grief, and inability to express oneself pain, rejection, rage, regret, traumatic memories, or uh, to cry for help or sympathy. I believe one way these tears will be wiped away is through what I call the great unraveling. The Romans 8.28 process will be revealed. 
every single factor in every single life that was harmful or painful, every negative result will be revealed to be the subject of God's personal, successful kingdom adjustment. This revelation will take place within an experience of glory that cannot be adequately described, and I believe it will happen at the judgment. Remember Joseph? That young man had a horrible life. God did not cause Joseph's brothers to envy, hate, reject, betray, or sell him into slavery any more than God inspired Cain to murder Abel. The Lord of Revelation 8.28 overcame their sin and worked it out for Joseph's good, the benefit of his family, and the well-being of a famine-struck region. Have you ever seen or seen pictures of people starving to death? God adjusted the calamities of Joseph's life so Joseph might put a stop to that, and he worked it out for the good, adjusted sin-wrought, pain-filled circumstances, and sent Joseph ahead of Jacob's family despite his brother's malicious intent. God's promise came to pass. Here's a favorite verse of mine. Psalm 105:19 Until the time that his word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him Right now like Joseph we are being tried by the word of the Lord At the end of this age our life stories will be like Joseph's revealing that all things have in fact worked out for the good at the Messiah's judgment seat we will receive the promise of everlasting resurrection life and vindication. Vindication? Yes. Right now, apart from our own uneasy consciences and the disapproval of many, we have an accuser. The devil has soaked the social atmosphere of every person who has ever lived with poisonous slander. Do you want to know what will happen at the judgment? Let me tell you something to look forward to. You will be vindicated because God will be vindicated in his love for you, his redeeming you, his leading and empowering you. Every good thing you have done as a result of his redemption has had a ripple effect. Every wonderful result will be celebrated as having been done through abiding in union with Jesus. It is not just you who will be vindicated. God with you, God in you, will be revealed to be righteous. His judgments will be manifest. Moses and the Messiah wrote a song about a similar dynamic. Here it is in Revelation 15, 3 and 4. And they sang the song of Moses, the slave of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. You have something to look forward to. It was the apostolic hope. It is found in the scriptures. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope, in expectation, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen thirteen. 
Love and War is written and presented by David Harwood. The theme song is Skirmish from the album Spontaneous Combustion by Leonard Jones. David has written several books, including God's True Love and his latest, The Meditations of My Heart, Developing a Healthy Inner Narrative, which contains a collection of daily devotionals. You can find links to these and others by visiting loveofgodproject.org and clicking on the book section. If you'd like to reach out to David, you can go to our Facebook page, Love and War DH, or send an email to loveofgodproject at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and please remember to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends.